The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Welcome, everyone, back into another episode of Story World. Alex, how you doing, man? I am doing great. How has your week been going, Steve? You know, not too bad. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, I'm feeling it. It's been, it's been busy, but it's not too busy though. You know, it's been actually kind of. I thought. Let me put it this way: I feel accomplished. Like I actually have been able to check stuff off the to-do list this week, which is kind of rare. Couldn't have been too stressful because you don't look too much older since last time. So. Oh well, thank you. That's that's good. You know, it 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 takes until like you can still see like some dots on the top of my forehead from my CPAP machine, and and right here on my nose. <laughs> it's kind of like by the time I get to the end of the day, it it just. Starts Starts fading away to where it starts, you know. Does that pen machine help quite a bit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Yes. Maybe that's story of the week's material for one of that, these days. That's how you. That's how Steve gets his kicks. As he just yeah, man. That pen machine. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, it's how you go to bed with six kids and or four kids in the house. So um, it's good for something. So uh, we're going to talk this week about stories we don't like and we're going to attempt a feat of of actually like keeping this episode to be a little bit shorter than maybe the normal that you get from us so we'll see how well we do um but i'm excited about this stories that we don't like and maybe why we don't like them yeah and kind of specifically steve and i were going over some stuff and uh we yeah kind of each picked like one story that's kind of grouped up into several different ones um i guess you can kind of look at it that way but uh yeah i'm excited about it because we talked about stuff that we like and what we uh what we enjoy and because that's kind of what our topics surround, but having something where we might break down something that disinterests us or that makes us upset, <laughs> then, uh, then that's something else that, uh, that we can do. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. So I'll just start off, um, and, and talk about this a little bit. So I just recently recorded a, a couple of, uh, well, I say just, it's been a few months ago. I've re I've recorded a couple of back-to-back -back podcast episodes kind of juxtaposing this. Um, and so when I think about a story that I, I don't like, especially as it relates to my domain, which is marketing, you have to be very, very careful because storytelling is such a big uh, part of it. You hear a lot of advice out there that talks about storytelling and marketing, and we've talked about quite a bit of it on on the show here. But if you're a bad storyteller, then this is going to potentially work against you. And the the primary way that I can tell if somebody is a bad storyteller is when you go to their website and you have no idea what it is that they do. Immediately you're confused, but by golly, they'll tell you all about how Uncle Frederick started the company when you know, back in the 1950s when you had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to get anywhere. And they'll, they'll go through these elaborate company histories that they're proud of, but they won't ever tell you why you should do business with them. 
So these boring stories about their about your company history or you know and 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 so these are things that in the marketing world we we kind of want to shy away from because the key is when somebody comes to your website they should know within about 3 seconds or they have to know or else they're going to leave within about 3 seconds why you're there and what you do. So if you have to tell the story about Uncle Frederick Maybe you can bury it somewhere in the site or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, for, for the person who really wants to dig. But most people don't really care about that kind of thing, okay? So the way that I like to think about this is the difference between your story versus your stories. Now, I know that's not very helpful. It requires some explanation um, because in those back-to-back -back episodes of my marketing podcast that I was telling you about, in the first of those, I was like, well, you know, your story doesn't actually matter, um, like, at all. People don't care because they're tuned into WIIFM, What's In It For Me Radio. That is the station mm. that everybody's on. And so when you come in and you say, oh, well, look at me. Look at how great I am. Um, that's you trying to become the hero of the story, whereas you really need to take this sort of guide position. But the other side of that is, is that a chief way that people get empathy and have a, and develop a relationship with you is through telling you some of their stories, like origin stories or epiphany stories, like, you know, maybe the epiphany of how I, uh, in my business, like how I just, how I got into marketing. You know, these are things that might also interest people and draw people in. So it's it's kind of this weird paradox where, if you're a bad, boring storyteller uh, and all you're doing is talking about your company history, you may not get very far. But if you're a great storyteller and you can tell people why you do what you do, what that impact is, et cetera, then you can actually make great strides with people. Yeah, um, I, I think those are all good points. I, I will say, yeah, I, I think it's good to separate the history of a company for kind of what you said for people who actually care to dig into that. Because um, yes. typically when you do have a company like that, whether it's an old company that has a lot of history or an exciting company that's big and grown, say Apple, for instance, the Steve Jobs background, there's autobiographies or biographies about these people. That's right. And you can pick it up and read it if you want. But to use it as a selling point or, hey, this is how we were founded in this year, that's just not going to capture what people, what you need to capture people's attention for. And ultimately, that's the product or service that you're, yeah. that you're getting yeah. into. And there now there are creative ways to do this. Um, for example, uh, we were at the outlets in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for um, or Pigeon Forge, whatever, for a, a marriage retreat earlier this year. And um, I was in the North Face. The North Face is one of my favorite just clothing companies because um, their their clothes are just so stinking comfortable. And as a marketing guy. Um, brands like the North Face interest me. Mm. They they interest me because they're sort of an enigma, right? I mean, okay, yeah, their clothes are comfortable or whatever, but when you walk into their store, there's really nothing all that special about their clothes. Literally, the thing that is special about them is they have the little logo on it that mm. says yeah. the North Face. It has the little Igloo logo. Yeah. And it's like that brand, that logo, that mark, any any amateur designer could draw the mark. So it's not about it's not about that. 
But yet, when you slap that logo on something, you now have, you know, you can now charge 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or $120 for your product instead of 20, 30, $40 for your product. And that's very interesting. So while I was in the store, I had that on my mind because again, I can't just be normal and look at the clothes racks and say, oh, I like that. I have to be like, what's the history of this company? How did, how did they actually become this? And so four interested parties in one corner of the store in the outlets, they had a, um, it, it was a wall, but it was kind of like, rather than try to explain it, I'll just say it was a wall. Okay. It was, it was a couple sides of a wall that had, um, their story essentially painted on there. And it was sort of in like a, um, a map slash, you know, timeline sort of thing. So it was like, it was, it was like a map and then it had points on the map of important locations at, and then it mentioned the date at which that thing happened all the way back through their company history. And again, it just walked you around and you could read through the whole thing. It basically took you from the, you know, basically this being some little, little, you know, I think it was basically like a, a small um, shop that sold to people who were going on hiking expeditions in like one random place. And now it's this, you know, global clothing brand and it showed you all the different steps that the company took to get there in a very creative way so that's an example of taking what could be a very boring story and actually turning it into something that's uh quite fascinating so i think it it can be done well it seems like those stories too are more effective when you're mark i guess you'd say marketing to someone that already has their foot in the door and is already um like your products or interested in them or are attracted to them initially that's right. Yeah. And when you have a brand like that, you really like it's a different it's a different game than even the kind of marketing that I, you know, typically do. I typically do a very, you know, sort of in your face, direct response marketing. Hey, take action now sort of thing. Whereas these guys are, again, it's just it's a total branding play. Mm. But given the history and the longevity of the company and everything, you know, it that worked that worked out for them. And, and now, you know, a lot of times brands like this all they really have to do is share their ideas and they end up attracting a slew of customers who share their values and their ideas. And that, that plus the, you know, plus a good quality, plus the recognizability of the brand is something that makes for a good long-term, you know, sustainable business. I mean, can you imagine a world without Nike? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Nike wasn't always here, but now they are, and they're probably not going away because they're so ubiquitous now. I mean, I just can't imagine that. I mean, I guess the the shoe as we know it would have to cease to exist or something for this this iconic brand to no longer be around. So, yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Yep, absolutely. Um, Sweet. So let's hear yours, your story that you just that you just do not like. Yeah. So and again, it's it's stories we don't like. So with the caveat there that it doesn't necessarily mean we think these are bad stories, but that it's just we don't like them. And the story or stories that I just couldn't really get into at all is um, probably 90 percent of the stories dealing with the uh, the MCU. Um, And so I remember. When I'm sitting the, right now. Everybody thinks you're sitting right now, just so you know that. I, I know. And that's okay. I, can't wait to hear I feel like I feel like this is more of a confessional than a uh it is podcast. So um it is. 
Now, when the first Iron Man came out, I actually really did like that. I think the um, um, it's been so long since I watched them. I, I'm not capable of talking about specifics of it, but um, I just remember really enjoying it. I liked the character. I liked the story. I thought it had a good conclusion, good action sequences, and I really liked it. And I remember enjoying a couple movies um, after that, too. It was when um, I, I, get, I think two things, well, a few things. I, the first thing I'll go to is when they started to introduce so many characters to it. So when I read my epic fantasy books, I like having a lot of characters. I think there's a lot of time and um, effort to weave in the stories and really get familiar with each character. And not saying that people can't feel attached to the characters in MCU. Just me personally, when you're in a runtime movie of two and a half, three hours, and you have, I don't know, 10 main characters together in that time frame, it's just really difficult for me personally to, um, to uh, for lack of, you know, just fall in love with, with a certain character and, you know, really cheer that character on and feel a connection with that character. And so... I do think that they have great action sequences and I, and I definitely give them credit. They plan this thing for a long time. And so there's definitely talent there. I'm not saying that they're bad movies. I just cannot get into them for that reason. And then another thing too, is this is just a, a tendency that I have is when there gets to be too many um, fanatics following a certain thing. I tend to just kind of steer clear of it. And especially since um, leading up to it, obviously you have, you know, a history of when it started in, I think Iron Man came out in 08 or 09. It was something like that. Maybe Either 07 or 08, I think. Yes. And so you had a history of what, 50, 60 years of comics. I know more than that, but really um, significant. Yeah. And so, um, it, and I never got into comics anyway, because I was always confused as a kid of, well, like, there's this Superman storyline, but then there's this one. So which is the right one? And they're all the yeah. right ones, but they're different. And sometimes it's a different Superman in this one. And so I just never bothered with it. If I can't make a coherent story out of what's there, then I'm not <laughs> I'm not in it. And so. Yeah. And, and so just I think all a lot of and so that just kind of and so when the movies came out, people would say, Oh, well, you know, Iron Man could be this because in this storyline, and I just it just did not appeal to me at all. And so I think um and again, so this is me saying I, I definitely think that um uh, you know th they did a great job with the storylines for it and it's it's paid off, it's worked really well for them, but those are just stories that I cannot get into. Um and then another thing that um, I just don't like is watching some of the bigger ones where you have some of your more epic battles in it and several characters. It just always seems like there comes a point where it's like a formal lineup on one side of a battle arena and then on the other. And like one character says something cheesy to the other one when they like might die like into it. And I don't know. It just uh, there's just a lot of <laughs> cheesy moments in those films. And uh Anyway, that's so anyway, so that's just kind of where I am on that. On what, yeah, just I never cared for him too much. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, one thing. Well, first of all, I think everyone, uh, hopefully everyone can objectively agree that Thor Ragnarok was one of the worst movies ever made. Um, in my opinion, it was it was terrible. The humor was awful. It was just bad. I think, unfortunately. They, they kind of went off the deep end with the Thor character just in general. And in my opinion, they haven't really recovered uh, <laughs> from that. Mm. Um, 
as as it relates to that character arc, it, it was just really, really bad. Now there's a new one coming out soon. Um, Thor uh love and thunder i think um yeah. is supposed to be out kind of soon and so maybe maybe they re- redeemed it i i don't know um but th- but that was definitely awful you talked about the comics and i totally resonate with that because i never was a comic dude i mean about as into that as i got is reading the little mini comics in bazooka bubblegum right like i never really got into um the whole comic game now um However, one of the things that I have found sort of enjoyable is especially and like now with the movies, well, I'll say, I'll say two things. It was kind of cool because before we moved to Statesville, uh, I guess this was a couple of years ago, what we did do was in terms of the movies that were out at that time, we did binge watch them over a series of a few weeks from the very beginning to to current. Mm. And that was actually really cool, in my opinion. It was a really neat experience because you got to see things tie together in a way that's a little bit less broken up than just seeing a movie every, you know, year. A couple or of years, two. yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, so I'll say that was, that was pretty helpful. With the comics, and, it, and it, like I was going down, uh, getting ready to say, especially with Disney Plus and the release schedule of, of content that they have for this phase of the MCU. What I have found really exciting is like after an episode comes out, we'll watch the episode and then go to YouTube and we'll watch one of the spoiler channels. Mm. Usually heavy spoilers is the one that we yeah. like. We'll watch one of the spoilers channels and what they'll do is they'll do the breakdown of everything that happened in that episode, the Easter eggs mm-hmm. you missed, et cetera. And so what that will typically do is help with some of those divergent storylines and stuff. You know, he'll talk, the guy's name is Paul. Um, they'll talk about, or he'll talk about some of the different comics that there were. He'll talk about like whatever show, because the show, even like the modern like shows that they're making, are all based on at least loosely but but you know usually more than loosely based on the comics from again 40 yeah. 60 or whatever years ago and so he'll help tie some of those threads together and in my opinion that actually makes it kind of i don't know interesting it's kind of it's kind of cool to see how um they're going back to this you know canonized stuff and then pulling it out in new creative ways for um a new audience i also I don't know it's supposed to be about stories we don't like, and here I am defending it. But um, it, it's also the production value, I think, of the of the TV shows um, now. And maybe that's just across the board with some of these streaming services because I noticed the same, same thing about Star Trek the other day. But the production value is just going through the roof uh, on some of these things and to where yeah. TV shows feel kind of like watching movies. And I think that's something that, for me, makes the, makes the MCU, um, you know, kind of, kind of interesting so i do i do need to watch the whole first uh phase again um just because yeah when you watch it over over a decade it, it you tend to forget things and it does feel um yeah kind of split and so i definitely i definitely need to watch them all again and maybe that will help my opinion a little bit yeah uh, yeah maybe we can maybe we can have a uh yeah. a follow-up show after that happens and uh yeah if you but, still have the same opinion or yeah. or what? It's um I think it really does have a lot to do though with the focus on characters. So 
I love um like I love the the most recent Joker movie. I like the um all the Batman movies. Um I like the uh the old uh um Spider-Man films. Um uh and then I so I really like more or less standalone films and mm-hmm. um or or films that focus on a limited cast of characters. Um I don't know why. I mean I'm sure I'll like the new Lord of the Rings um, show coming out. I'm sure that'll have a variety of characters, but. Well, now let me ask you a question because those other movies ha- all have something in common that I don't really see in most of the MCU movies. And I'm just wondering if maybe we can have a little therapy session here too. <laughs> um, all of those are really dark. Mm. So I, I, that has, that has a lot to do with it too. So um I I kind of I knew that I did not like the MCU when I watched um was it Civil War when Iron Man and Captain America fought for the first time. I yeah. knew that I wasn't gonna fall in love with those movies at that point because I really wanted like one of them to kill the other. I was like, something bad needs to happen here. Yeah. I, and and again, that's not to say that the ending wasn't good. It was actually a pretty good ending from it's I've only watched yeah. it once and it was really when it came out, but from when I remember it kind of split. Um, into kind of either two groups or Iron Man was by himself in the end, kind of. And yeah. so you kind of felt the weight of that, like, okay, so like, how's it going to go from here? But I just like really like one of one of them to like either die or just something like traumatizing happen. And so, yeah, I think, so I think yeah. it's a, it's a preference thing too. And again, so I'm not saying that they're bad movies. I actually think kind of objectively they're, they're good movies. You know, they really did a great job sure. writing sure. their storylines. It's just hard for me to get into them. For those reasons. I hear that. No, that I, that makes a lot of sense to me. And when I when you told me that, I mean, that definitely the that is a gap in the MCU. There is not very much darkness. And in fact, as I'm just thinking about it right now, there are only two things across the entire spectrum of the MCU that I can immediately point to. And I won't I won't share what they are for spoiler sake, but they're just just really two things that I think of as like, oh, that's dark. Um, that's pretty gotcha. And um, so um, which considering how many movies and TV shows that is now um, to only have two things to point through. Yeah, that that is an area where some more depth would be welcome at the MCU. And, and I do. I do get it though, because it's targeted towards adults and kids alike, and it's it's it best is, market. Yeah. It is very it is, and it's very hard to cater to that. Whereas, like if you watch something like Logan, that's about Logan the Wolverine. Um, yeah. that's not meant for a ten year old kid to watch. <laughs> so exactly, no, um, no, it is not, and that, and it is. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I think that's a huge thing that probably has some people. A little now now i'll say this too and again this is not maybe this episode should have been all about the mcu uh we should do one all about the mcu um but one of the things that is that makes the mcu now in especially in phase four um i can't remember if some of this would have been considered phase three probably not um mostly phase four um what's the whole entire thing called the first four phases or What's like the whole first part called or the past decade or something? Isn't it called something? Oh, I don't think so. It's like the first saga or something. There's four phases, but don't they make like one thing? I forget what it's called. Oh, well. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I I, I mean, uh, it's kind of like the Avengers. Um, It probably has something to do with the Avengers specifically um, because, you know, the last one was Endgame. 
Um, so it, it probably, yeah, it's fine. No, I, I, I had to cough. So, um, yeah, it probably has to do so with something with the Avengers, but, but maybe you can look that yeah, up. The and, Avengers saga. That's how I think. Yeah. The Avengers saga. Yeah. That's okay. probably about right. So, so when it gets into phase, uh, four, especially they start playing with time a lot more, mm. um, because there's really no, they don't really introduce the concept of the multiverse until later. And once the multiverse happens, that in my opinion, as a guy who is just obsessed with, and maybe this is my Star Trek uh, talking, but um, I mean, I just love a good temporal anomaly. All right. So give me some time, <laughs> give me some time problems, and I'm all about it. So uh, I think what they, you know, I mean, these are not a one to one comparison, but what they are lacking, in my opinion, in terms of depth and darkness, um, some of the cool stuff about how time works and how time can be manipulated and broken and restored. That was kind of interesting to me. And the one where you really see this is, um, is Loki. Okay. So if I had to make a recommendation in terms of, Hey, what's something, what's some of the best, you know, what's the best the MCU has to offer? I don't know that you could say it that way necessarily, but I would say that if you don't, if you don't like Loki, the TV series on Disney Plus, then you're probably going to have a, a difficult time liking anything with it. But if you like Loki, and it gets into some of the darker stuff as well, if you really like Loki, then there is hope for you yet. That's that's kind of my, and I think you could actually start there without having to know too much else about what's going on. Um, and and that was just a really really cool hmm. uh, series that gets into some of that stuff. So. I'm gonna have to start from Iron Man and just go through it. And just go through it. Yeah, you might no, have to. Mo, um, Brooke and I, we did start a while ago and we need to finish it, but we did start watching WandaVision. We got like through the fifth episode. We liked that. So we, oh, we yeah, that was yeah. Really good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. WandaVision definitely starts to go down some of those rabbit trails too. And again, I think so. I like it too, because I don't know how it ends. I'm sure I think it does branch out into other stuff and connects to the MCU as a whole. But like, I like how focused it is on like that specific story. Percent, and that and that is another thing I was going to mention. I'm glad you brought that up. That they are doing, especially now with the TV shows, mm. um, they are laser focusing more. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously the Avengers films are a little bit more difficult because they are so. Yeah, they have. You already said it. I mean, they stuff so many people in, but that, but the the um, the other standalone movies and TV shows, I think for the most part, do a good job at honing in on the particular storylines. Yep. So. It's a it's a unique sort of thing. So good. Well, hey, right. this is maybe our shortest episode we have ever done. Ever, so, ever. ever. It's I kind of. Like it. I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. I think it'd be good to do this every once in a while. And yeah, yeah, it's good. People are probably like, do this every time. I uh, know it'll be interesting to to see and how people react to it. Um, yeah. but cool. even with these short episodes, we still have our story of the week at the end. Story of the week. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first. So I have this um, uh, epiphany that I, I can't, you know, credit myself with because I, I heard it from a, a colleague of mine who also owns a web and, and marketing agency. Um, but it, but what's interesting about it is that it kind of validates what I was already doing. Um, and it just gives me some new language to think about it. And to be fair, I thought the way I, I kind of re reformulated it into my own framework that is alliterated so now i can call it mine and um it makes me happy so um 
and that is that there are only three types of customers, okay, so that you can get online through marketing and through your efforts. There's really only three types of people. They are your repeats, so your repeat customers. They are your referrals, so your referrals, your word of mouth customers, and then your researchers. So these are your people who are looking to do business with somebody like you online, and they are online doing Google searches or looking on Facebook or just wherever for people that can, you know, satisfy their need. So when you think about it that way, it's really cool because you, you're looking at, okay, well, there's only three different types of people that I can go after. And so when you start new marketing activities, you can kind of say, oh, okay, well, what group am I going to go after? And then when you decide that, that automatically like really limits your options as to the sort of things you can do and really helps it become a lot less confusing. So uh, for example, for your repeat customers, well, how do you get them to come back, right? So how do you create repeat customers? Well, the best way to do that is with email marketing because you, you put people mm -hmm. in your customer list or into your email list and you repeatedly send them emails every, every month at least, or if not every week, or maybe even a little more frequently than that. And this is why you get coupons from people in, in there. This is why you get email newsletters and updates from companies that you either do business with or like to follow uh, because they're trying to get you to come back and increase your transaction frequency with them. So email marketing is how you get repeat customers. Um, for your referral customers, what they're looking for is trust. So they've already got a little bit of the trust you know, meter built up because somebody referred them to you or referred you to them or whatever. And, and so now what you're going to do is start seeking out, oh, well, do other people agree with so-and-so's take on this company? And they're going to want to know that. And so that's where like reviews come in. Google reviews, Facebook reviews, reputation management. You know, how many stars do you have? How recent are the reviews? Do you respond to the reviews? Do you respond positively, negatively? How do you react? Um, so that's basically how you capture referral business is through reviews and reputation management. And then for researchers, this is where you're doing content marketing, like blogging or podcasting, typically blogging, um, honestly, uh, because people are, are going to go for a Google search. And it really just depends on what kind of thing they're searching for as to whether Google wants to return a video or a podcast or a or a blog post. Mostly it's blog posts, but sometimes Google likes a video better for a particular kind of subject matter. You just sort of need to know that. But what's cool is in the marketing stuff that we offer in our business, we do all of these services for clients. And so we already offer a service that um, is meant to capture all three of those different people in the customer journey, but I never put that sort of language around it. So the next time I have an opportunity to sell this service, I'm going to sell it that way. And, and frankly, what it has allowed me to do is think of things in terms of, well, really, I don't just sell websites or whatever. It's like everything I sell is in the context of this program. Really, everybody's in my marketing program, even if they don't know it yet, um, because what I'm going to want to do is upsell them. Right. So I'm going to want to say, oh, OK, well, we have a website. So that's the foundation. You have to have that. But now it's like, well, we need to start thinking about getting you more customers for your business. So in your business, who does it make the most sense to target now? Researchers, repeats or referrals? And it's like, oh, well, I think that we need to retarget uh, or we need to target the referral customers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, great, I can help you with that. So we offer this review and reputation management service that'll get you more five-star Google reviews and build your reputation and trust with people online so that when people refer you via word of mouth, they can come here and they can see that other people have also said that you are trustworthy. What do you think? It's X dollars a month, you know? So everything now becomes a sales opportunity framed around the kind of customer activity that they want. And I just thought that was really 
really cool. So I call that just the three types of customers. And I think it's a neat little framework for most businesses to think about. It's always refreshing when you kind of have a thought and you're practicing something or working on something, and then you come across a um, podcast or an article or a book where someone like puts that into words or a step or process. And you just think, yes, like this is what I've been, this is what I've been doing yeah. at the time, but it's Gives you new language for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. my story of the week. So, um, Steve was over to my place Saturday night and we watched the, uh, the UFC fight, UFC 274 and a bunch of guys. That was a big turnout. I think there were 13 of us total. Um, so that was a, a really good turnout, but my, I kind of want to focus specifically on a fight that we were all, I think we were all on the verge of falling asleep. At least I was, I think maybe one or two of us actually did fall asleep. And that was a fight between, I'm going to botch the, the last names, but Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza. So this was close the enough. yeah close enough this was the title fight for the women's strawweight division and actually one of the better fights we've seen since we've watching fights together was between nunez and pena the last fight we watched a couple of months ago um that was yeah. that was a great fight and so we were all kind of excited like, thinking okay that's you know hopefully this will be another good fight and it just turned out to be the exact opposite. So for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, it was a title fight. So it goes five rounds, 25 minutes of fighting. And um, typically the title fights are really exciting. Um, the Actually, the final one between Oliveira and I forget how to pronounce the last games, but Get J or something. Um, that ended yeah, in Get the first J. round. Yeah, it ended in the first round, but it was a great fight. It was um, It definitely did not disappoint. This one went the full 25 minutes and it gained pretty significant attention because especially in the first round, I don't, you can correct me, I don't think one punch was seriously thrown or landed in the first round. No. So we went five minutes not. watching the whole thing and they basically were circling each other, I guess, trying to get in an edge fight and, and it just, it was, it was so, and so we're thinking, okay, four more rounds to go. I guess they were just trying to feel each other out. And then the second round was just the same thing. And then the crowd started booing and us at the house, we were thinking, what the heck is going on? We were visibly upset too. And it was approaching like 1130 at night. So we were all pretty tired and it just did not help keep us awake. So just yeah. a couple stats over 25 minutes of fighting five rounds so uh rose was the um she was the champion she ended up losing it at the end they gave it to the other girl so rose actually um hit uh um had more significant strikes um or at least percentage wise and uh total strikes yeah so the percent she had 27 percent compared to as far as 22 percent and she landed 38 strikes compared to the others 30. But I think this is what, and again, I don't know how the judges exactly scored. Maybe we were, I, I, so I could be wrong on this, but I think what it came down to is in the end, Rose only, she attempted one takedown and she, it was a successful takedown, but she only attempted one through the whole round. Miss um, Barza, on the other hand, mm -hmm. attempted 11 times to take her down. Now, granted, only succeeded twice, but I'm wondering if in the end, mm -hmm. the judges were like, man, she, Rose does not deserve to keep the title because that was awful. Like she just at the very least, work. the other um, Carla wanted it. You know what I mean? Like exactly. she, showed that she showed that she wanted it yep. and and Rose did not show that she didn't want to lose it. Um, and so I'm not an expert in the point scoring, but I'm just wondering if at the end, because even the judges were like, who, 
who's going to win this fight? Who do you? So I wonder if in the end it was a very subjective thing with, you know what, like, I'm just going to give it to the person who at least made a little bit more of an effort in the end. But um, yep. it was probably, the, it was definitely the most boring fight I've ever watched and very disappointing because I was expecting yeah. a good fight. And even the commentators were like, Ooh, they were actually more entertaining than the fight. When yeah. hearing the commentators talk about how yeah. unentertaining the fight was. I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard Rogan say that he thought it was literally the worst fight he had ever seen, which is he, saying something. He did not sit back. And I, he did the interviewing at the end. And I forget his exact <laughs> words, but he kind of stumbled. He basically said something along the lines of, like, were you? He's, he he I, literally said, he said it was a very, he said it was, this was a very strange fight. What did you think about and it? You know? <laughs> he threw in there some type of wording as far as the lines of like, basically it was a boring fight. I forget his exact wording, but he basically threw that out there. And, um, and the person who won this positive, she, she basically said like, I thought that, you know, I was really challenging her through the whole thing. And we were just like, what match were you fighting? So it was so a strange. very, what, it was a very weird fight. I, I still yeah. don't quite understand it, but it, in the end, I'm glad that they took the title belt away from Rose and gave it to the other girl because at least she kind of made a little bit more of an effort, I guess. Yeah, I definitely feel like um, I don't know. It was it was it was odd. I mean, I I felt that the um, well, I, I think that the assessment you just read was really accurate. Like I felt that I felt that the strikes definitely seemed to be more significant and everything coming from Rose. But but there just wasn't that many opportunities. She was really just yeah. biding her time. And the interesting thing about that fight is um, is it's almost like the the people who were in her corner, which was like her husband and then mm, like a, another yeah. trainer guy, were egging her on. They had like she felt so confident because they oh, yeah. had, they had her thinking that she was doing exactly what she was supposed to do. Literally through all was it five rounds? Was it four four or five? Might have been four. I can't remember. But um through every single round. They brought her over there and they were like, you're doing it. You're doing a great job. You got her. Like, this is exactly what we need. Keep doing more of this. And so you really saw whenever they announced Car that Carla won, um, you saw just a sour look on her face and meet like a confused. She was like so was shocked. Very yeah. shocked. And then she yeah. lost. Like um, she had been robbed of it. Mm -hmm. Which is just, which is just super duper interesting. So. It was weird. I can see how in the mind of a fighter, when you're out there, you probably don't. You're not a spectator, so you're in a totally different mindset. But at the same time, I would think sure. you would kind of at least know somewhat that, hey, that I'm not getting punched a lot this this uh, this fight. I wonder why. And you know, it, I just think yeah. that some dots would connect there. But anyway, but at least Oliveira gave us a great fight, and so that was that was a good one to top it off. Oh, we saw man. one of the um, one of the nastiest knockouts that we've seen. Uh, was it? It was Chandler. It, it was Chandler. Yep. That, and I forget that. Oh, man. Oh, oh Tony. Um, yeah, got, got, yeah. Ferguson. 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 Tony Ferguson. And just yeah. that kick to the jaw. That, that was scary. And, and when he landed, I know we were kind of joking, but at the same time, we thought, it, did he, like, kill him? Like, he was he was out. It's rough. There's So there's some, yeah. there's some, uh, some memes floating around Twitter. Yeah. And some of the images that people, oh man, it is, it is the, Bad. to look at that foot connecting mm -hmm. right where it did with his face. 
is it it just it gives me chills uh, it was really crazy so oof what a great yeah what a great night and then the next one is july so that'll be that'll be good oh man i'm so pumped yeah i'm super excited so well steve i think this brings us to the official end it does it does very good thank you everyone for listening take a picture screenshot on your phone share it on social yada 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 tell other people about it really excited about the listenership so far i mean i think we're you know, really you know, solid we're, we're doing pretty well so um i'm i'm surprised and excited about it i thought for sure it would just be me and alex listening back to it for the entire first year so it appears that uh, at least a couple other people are hanging on with us so it's very exciting especially with these long episodes so um it's been been great yeah, I, I don't have anything else to have except just keep hanging on if you keep like if you like us and keep on listening. Beautiful. All right. Thank y'all. We'll see you in the next one. See ya.